It's the Locked on Canes podcast, where it's all about the you. My name is Fred Perdue. I am one of your hosts. I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, Cam Underwood, after a crazy, crazy, crazy early National Signing Day. What's going on, Cam? It wasn't that crazy, but uh, yeah, you know, uh, I was working hard all darn day, so that was good. And then, uh, you know, talked about some other stuff at the secret day job earlier, but we don't need to talk about that. But we're here to talk about Miami football, so I'm good. You're good. And we have a special guest. You want to introduce him, Fred? Of course. We have Andrew Ivins from 24-7 Sports covering the Miami Hurricanes. You know, it's always good to have that inside inside knowledge there. What's going on, Andrew? Not much, guys. Just kind of recovering from uh, the big day. Yeah, it was pretty big. Pretty big. Uh, some, some ups, some downs. Got pump faked a little bit. Didn't really like it too much. So we're going to dive into that in a minute. But make sure you go follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Canes. You can follow Andrew. Where can we find you on Twitter? That's uh, Andrew underscore Ivins, I-V-I-N-S. And Cam, where can we find you on Twitter, sir? I'm all over Twitter, but at Underwood Sports or at The State of the U. And you can find me on Twitter at Fred Produce CFB, it's P-E-R-D-U-E. I am not the school where they have bad recruiting rankings. <laughs> so, now that we've gotten the, the house cleaning out of the way, today is the good, the bad, the ugly. Recruiting the Aftermath Edition. And there are some things that we got to talk about. So, Cam, you are the, the I, I, I don't want to call you Batman today. You got to be Robin today. I'm just, I'm just, Batman, but we just brought in a Superman on the side. That's oh, all. oh, okay, okay. I'm just driving. It's like the Super Friends. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm just kind of driving the Batmobile today. Bat Superman can't fly today. We're just gonna. I'm just. Okay. I'm just the Batmobile. You guys are gonna. You guys are the star of the show, because recruiting has been huge, and you guys are the recruiting gurus here. So, Andrew, we're gonna lead off with you. Um, what were your What are your initial impressions from early signing day? Uh, I, I feel like I've said this multiple times in multiple places already uh, over the past 48 hours, but a lot of people are going to be upset with kind of how Wednesday went with Miami losing out on Romello Height, the four-star defensive end out of Dublin, Georgia, and Jaden Francois, the four-star safety uh, from South Dade. But if you take a step back... Um, and just look at what Miami was able to do on the heels of a 6-6 six and six season where you ended with disappointing losses to Duke and FIU. I think this is a pretty impressive haul. Um, there was a time when it could have been a lot better than what it was, but when you lose games, this is kind of the reality. It, it shifts from what can we get to what can we hold on to, and Miami was able to hold on to a, a lot of elite guys down the stretch, and I think that's that's pretty impressive. The staff deserves some credit for that. There's some good pieces in this recruiting class and some guys that you sh- should be within in the two deep and starters you know, relatively soon. So uh, could it have been better? Absolutely. Does losing Romello Height and Jaden Francois suck? Yes, but uh, you still got to look at, at the whole body of work here and it was a it's a it's a solid class. I mean, it's a top twenty class. Not a lot of schools are going to sign a top twenty class after going six and six. Definitely. And Cam, what say you? What are your impressions from this thing? Yeah, a lot the same as what Ivan said. You know, there are good pieces there. Um, I'm actually just I was writing up my grades piece uh, when you uh, sent the email for this show, and I'll say what I said in the conclusion there. Look, where Miami was good recruiting this year, it was great. 
you look at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, even along the defensive line, which was more good than great, but still, those spots were, you know, really well done. Where it was bad, it was terrible to me. Offensive line, you needed four or five. You get two, and one of them, Chris Washington, is a two- to three-year project. Develop, not want to say project, but a developmental prospect. That's not helping right now. Cornerback, you get in a guy who played wide receiver most of his life. He played one year of corner. He's a blazing speedster, but he doesn't have the skills yet to really compete at cornerback, and you need those guys. So the misses for me, even coming off of a 6-6 six and six season, like Ivan said, holding on to a lot of good guys, good players in this class, that is all well and good. But it's not good enough. And the misses for me, not even of the guys that we're talking about, you know, the Romello Heist, Jaden Francois, Justin Flows, discounting those, but the other positions where you, you miss. I mean, there were more good offensive line prospects in South Florida this year than we've had in four or five years. You go over South Florida on the offensive line, especially with guys like a Marcus Dumerville from St. Thomas Aquinas or a Isaiah Walker from Norman. You know, you don't get any cornerbacks, but one who's you know only played it for a year. Those positions are really what, in my mind, kind of detracts from the overall. But again, there are 18 really good players who did sign. Uh, for me, uh, I kind of want to echo what you said. The offensive line is the one thing I wanted to see to see more of I know Miami can go out and get corners I know they can go get receivers I know they can go get you you can feel the quarterback issue you can feel the running back issue but what's the one issue regardless of position that was the biggest issue for Miami and has been the biggest issue for Miami for a while is offensive line and it just didn't get filled and I I hope that gets filled going forward with not just like a project but more of the player that can can be a plug and play guy, even if it is a freshman, maybe a red shirt. You can red shirt him after a year, and you can just build that depth. That's a lot of the issue is having that depth. Where if a guy slacks off and um, isn't really what you thought he'd be, he takes plays off even during practices. You have that next guy up mentality where somebody is going to be willing to take his spot if he's not uh, living up to that standard that Manny Diaz is always talking about. Yeah, I mean, I hear you. So, obviously, you know, we're, we're talking about who was signed. Andrew, as we look forward, because Manny Diaz has talked about signing 25 guys this class ever since he took this job, where might Miami look to fill those last seven available slots? Um, well, it's going to start with the offensive line. You guys both mentioned the lack of numbers, and absolutely, I agree. I, I agree there. Uh, Jalen Rivers, the the top 24/7 tackle out of Oak Leaf, which is right outside of Jacksonville. I mean, he's uh, very talented. He's one of the top linemen in the state, and I would expect him probably to play early, kind of just given what we know is on the roster. And he's a lot further along than uh, Jakai Clark and Chris Washington were, or excuse me, Jakai Clark and uh, Zion Nelson. Chris Washington, the three-star lineman out of a Nashville that they signed. I like him. He's a prototypical tackle, 6'7". Um, doesn't carry a lot of bad weight, so I think those two guys are, are, are good. Um, but now they're going to have to go find find some linemen in the portal, and I think we're on other position where maybe they might look to, to add some depth or, or uh, some high school talent is, is that cornerback, like you said. Yeah, for what I, from what I want to see from, like you said, that offensive line spots, I need those to lose, that depth to come in. 
uh, for Miami. Uh, Andrew, where do you see, at least on the defensive side, is there anybody that can can be an immediate uh, impact guy? Uh, they're already signed, or a guy that maybe can might be signing uh, in the next in the next day or so, or on on the second signing. It's difficult to project, um, you know, some of these young guys playing in this in this defensive system, just because we really haven't seen Manny since he arrived in Coral Gables as Mark Rick's defensive coordinator. Really lean on uh, freshmen. I mean, I know. Mike Pinckney and Zach McLeod and uh, Shaq Quarterman, they all, they all started early. But outside of that, they've been pretty hesitant to play the youth. And think about it. Greg Russo um, set the single-season school record in sacks or, or whatever. I mean, he had an excellent season. Miami wasn't even really playing in more than 20 snaps to start the year off. So it's kind of hard to look at the defensive signees and be like, yeah, this is a guy that's going to have a chance. But if there is one... Uh, I think Tyreek Austin Cave, the linebacker out of New Jersey, uh, Manny mentioned during his Wednesday press conference that they don't have a linebacker as fast as him on the roster. And if that's true, that's pretty impressive because Avery Huff, I think, is a freak athlete and Sam Brooks can move pretty well uh, as well. So uh, I think Tyreek, just given the fact that he's going to enroll early, um, he'll, he'll have a chance. Now, we did. We talked. We said we would talk the good, the bad, and the ugly. So that may be the good. We do have some bad, and of course we have some ugly. And we'll talk about a little bit more of the bad on the other side. If you are looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts around teams' passion moments. Great for all fans, go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn, and then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. All right, so Cam, we had the bad, and I know you had some things to say about some a certain prospect that pump faked uh, your Miami Hurricanes, and I say your because when they when they messing up, it's like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When they're messing up, they're yours. When they're when they're doing great, they're mine. So um, let's talk about it. I'm just tired, and and what happened? It was Justin Flo in his announcement ceremony. There were four hats on the table: USC, Clemson, Miami, and Oregon, where he ended up going. And it was the same thing, and we've seen this for like 12, 15 years. You could have pump faked USC, as in like reached towards your like faked like you were going to pick up their hat. You could have done that with Clemson. You could have faked like you were going there. No, 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 no. Just like every other time that anybody has pump faked with hats on the table, it's been Miami. And so he, like, reaches towards Miami and stops and then reaches over to the side and picks up Oregon. Like, I knew, I mean, look, we started losing those games. There was no chance that we were going to get a five-star, you know, like him. And I said that a long time ago. But, bro, why do you have to play with people's emotions? I, my emotions were out of it. I, I'm, I try to be pragmatic. But, like, you didn't have to do that. But it is the in vogue thing for people to mess with the Miami Hurricanes for a half second and then decide to go somewhere else. When I worked at Miramar High School, Ivan McCartney did the same thing. The only hat he had on stage was a Miami hat. His little sister came out of the middle of nowhere, and I knew she, where she was hiding on stage, but she came out of the middle of nowhere with the West Virginia hat. And the list goes on and on. All these times, all these national recruits, four stars, five stars, why they choose or feel the need to needle Miami and pump fake Miami and pretend like they're gonna choose Miami and just to end up going elsewhere. It's just annoying, and I felt annoyed to have it see that again. 
Andrew, I know you're you're kind of short on time, so before we get you out of here, what are your thoughts? What are your if you had anything bad? Is there anybody, any situation with a with a recruit that was maybe a bad thing for Miami that's that you have kind of on your mind a little bit? Well, I mean, I guess we're talking uh, big picture. You know, I think the optics of how things played out with Jaden Francois aren't good. Um, you know, this is a kid who kind of tugged Miami back and forth for two years now. And I get it if you're losing an elite South Florida defensive back, or maybe not even elite, just a, just a top defensive back to a school like Alabama or Georgia or Clemson. But to lose them to Nebraska, um, a, a Scott Frost team that just went 5-7, and seven, that, that definitely doesn't look good. Um, and I, I have no idea why the Cornhuskers were able to recruit down here and did so well this cycle. I mean, it's just not Jaden Francois they got. They beat Miami for Keyshawn Green, the linebacker up in Wakula. Um, they, they pulled some kids out of Miami Northwestern. I mean, I had a coach at a Power 5 school, or actually multiple ones, just kind of text me going, what the hell's going on? So um, I, I think Miami needs to figure that out. I mean, they, they, they like to say that the, the new recruiting protocols and everything worked out but at the end of the day they went up to the altar and they got left empty-handed again uh with with two guys so i just want to see if they can correct that problem and they claim that by the 2022 cycle this should be all worked out so we'll see if that uh that that really happens i uh, know fans yeah are... but i mean there's a 2021 cycle in between now and then um and yeah do you think that i guess maybe the last question for you and appreciate you being here with us what do you see, like, what would be a reasonable progressional step for Miami with local recruiting? Because if you look at the top, you know, 20 players, 25 in the state of Florida this year, a lot of them are going other places than Miami. Well, I think you just got to identify that and, and realize it from the jump. I mean, if I'm Miami, I wouldn't take an underclassman commitment for like three or four months. That's what I would do. I'd be like, you know, you know what, we're not going to do it. We'll do junior days. We're not going to do a cattle call junior day where we invite 100 kids. I would keep it real personalized visits. And if a kid wants to commit, it needs to be a situation like when uh, Don Chaney committed. You know, he was on campus with his parents. Um, Elijah Roberts, too. Like, you can't twist these kids' arms and, and try to get them to commit. It's got to be the right time on their timeline. And I think there's a chance that could happen. Like, if you play it the right way, but you... You, you can't be concerned about the recruiting rankings. And I know Manny and, and the staff, they love to get up there and joke around about how they don't give a, you know, a crap about recruiting rankings. And then two minutes later, they're saying that these kids are the under uh, the most underranked kids ever. So it's like, well, which one is it? Do the recruiting <laughs> rankings matter? Or they, uh, It's hard to keep track. But then if you guys want to, you know, not worry about it, then, then don't take commitments now. Like, wait wait for the kids' timeline. Don't worry about what your recruiting class is ranked uh, in March. Worry about it, what it's ranked come December. So, the one thing, I and we'll kind of get you out of here, Andrew. Again, we appreciate you coming on because uh, this is the whole aftermath thing, and uh, I kind of want to end with this one. You know, Miami, I kind of piggyback off of you. This thing, this this whole recruiting thing, it, it happens with time, and it takes these these coaches will have to kind of go with what these what these players want because at the end of the day, it's not the same Miami that what we're used to. 
it's definitely a different it's a different landscape. It's not the whole put a fence around Miami kind of thing. So we'll keep we'll definitely be having you back on uh, this the official signing day uh, kind of comes near. So Andrew, before we get you out of here, let the fans know again where they can find you and kind of plug your work. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter, Andrew underscore Ivans, and. Uh, on the site miami.247sports.com and I appreciate you guys having me on wish I could talk a little bit longer but I got you know things to do it's it's been busy the past couple of days so I gotta run but uh, I enjoy it guys and and we'll talk to you next time all right Andrew thanks for having me take care watch out for the sponsors now oh yeah we'll talk to you later all right man have a merry Christmas you too all right Cam so we talked the good, we talked the bad. Before we get out of the, the bad, I kind of have to... The one thing I want to say as far as bad for me is my, the, the, lack, the guys that should have signed, the guys that you're supposed to go get using that idea of, well, we're not a, we're not a great team right now, but we can be a great team with your talent, Keyshawn Green, uh, and specifically him. Uh, you have to go snatch him from jaws of defeat. You don't let him go to Nebraska. You just don't let it happen. Uh, what else are you gonna do? Are you gonna? You're not gonna block him from taking a visit because Miami, honestly, right now doesn't have the juice. So you're not gonna keep him from going. So what are you gonna do? Cheat? You're gonna pay him? You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. words are not gonna work enough because the words that were working now ring hollow when you lose to FIU and you lose to Duke. Sorry. Agreed, agreed. Now, and, and, I, and I just want to project out just a smidge. You know, there's this whole idea, and, I, and we're playing what-ifs here. We can kind of play the what-if game. What if, let's say what if this whole advertising, giving players um, giving players the, the ability, I, the to, ability earn to, to earn their, their, own their, own, their own money off their likeness. Does that change a Keyshawn Green's mind, especially in a place like Miami with so many different opportunities? Is that going to be something that we can look forward to that could help a school like Miami? Or does it hurt them because you can go to a place like Oregon and say, hey, I'm Justin Flo, and by the way, I can help Nike because guess what? I'm the, I'm the best defensive player available right. right now. I think the thing about that is, like, in the middle of you asking the question, you change the goal. You move the goalposts. Because I think that the considerations for a Keyshawn Green and the considerations for Justin Flo are different. Just because Justin Flo is a top 10-5 player or whatever in this class. And Keyshawn Green being very good is not. So, And the conversations that you can have relative to Oregon, relative to Nebraska are different. So if you're talking about Nebraska, you know, I mean, I think that there is even more opportunity there. Because, you know, like people were talking about, oh, these guys are going to Nebraska. You know, what's there to do in Nebraska? Nothing but Nebraska football. So everybody who owns a business there is willing to then put in on that. Bingo. So you're going to be out there kissing babies, selling cars, you know, riding tractors and everything out there. So there are ways for you to monetize yourself there if you're Keyshawn Green, whose profile is lower than and monetize yourself to that same elite caliber of level in that hit country in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska. And I say that because I've been there. But obviously, if you have a Justin Flow and you're able to, you know, monetize yourself with Nike and everything, that's different because he's a five star. You know, that's like talking about, you know, the starting quarterback or a star player versus, a, you know, a, a rotational guy. Those things are different. So, I mean, the opportunities in Miami abound 
for people to use their licenses to earn money uh, in different kind of things. I mean, bro, you can be on the VIP flyers to every South Beach club like it was in college, but for real and get paid for it in South Beach. You know what I mean? So there are options there. It is it weak. I need to see how those things actually work before I can say 100% it's better here or there or anywhere. But it is hard for me to think that Miami and the Miami local area would be a negative in terms of players being able to make their own money on their own likenesses. I just don't see that. Now, kind of getting that out of the way, I had to ask you that because that's going to be a that's a fast approaching thing. It's something we can't avoid. And at some point, we'll have to address. Nor should it. we. Yeah, nor should we. I've always been one of those people. I there's there's dynamics to this. I'm I'm not like, hey, pay these guys millions of dollars like they're NFL players. No, uh, but there's ways to do it. I like this kind. This model is probably the closest thing you'll get to something that everyone can agree on. Uh, so we'll go with it at some point. We'll we'll get the chance to see how it works and how the NCAA is going to screw it up because we know the NCAA is going to screw it up. They always screw things up. So but before we kind of – we're going to jump into the bad. Or I'm sorry, the ugly. We saw the bad, and now the ugly on the other side. All right, so, Cam, not too much happened that was just catastrophic, but what say you as far as the ugly when it comes to – Miami's early signing day. Again, just all the all the misses where you needed hits. Um, yeah, and I know I maybe you know jumped the gun talking about those a little earlier. Sorry if you heard some of the sounds in the background here. I have people at the house, but I mean, yeah, you just you you cannot go o for o for South Florida offensive line in a year when you have more high end prospects than you can shake a stick at. Um, that's just it's disgusting. You cannot have, you know, what is it, three of the top 25 in the, in South Florida or whatever it is, like whatever the numbers are. Like you, there's so much talent going other places, whether you're looking at a Marcus Roseme from St. Thomas Aquinas, oh, uh, the Doomerville kid, the Martinez kid, those are both offensive linemen, Isaiah Walker Jr., and the list goes on and on. No, I'm not talking about Henry Parrish because we got the number one and two running backs in the top back in day, the top back in Broward. But outside of getting those two guys and maybe a Jalen Harrell, who's probably like a top four, top five DB in South Florida, we didn't get anybody. And that just, it's not good enough. It's just not. I'm sorry. And that's, it's quite terrible. Things will get better. I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic as we go into this. Will they? Will they? That's the real question because I've been let down so much over the, I want to say, almost the last 20 years. I mean, it's... it's but, that's, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, people are saying, oh, things are going to get better. How? Like, through what process? You know, you have one really good recruiting class in 2018. Or wait, um, 18 was pretty decent. What was that year that Mark Richt got us to, like, eighth overall? 2016? 2016, yeah. Right. So you have two Miami standard top ten classes in the last however long. And, you know, the statements are, oh, it's going to get better. Oh, we're going to do it. Where and how? Show and prove. Because just this blind statement of that, this blind faith, and I get it. Walk by faith and not by sight. But, God damn it, I need to see it now. I can't just go off of what we're saying. Like, how is it going to be better? Are you sure it's going to be better? Because... The overwhelming proof says it's not. Definitely agree with you. And, and I think part of it, 
I think when you, in the offseason we get ourselves so hyped up over and it's not just Miami. It could be any team. I've always been a proponent of I hate preseason rankings. I, I hate them because they make you think your team is a lot better than what they are. You hear all the interviews and the coaches are trying. What are they supposed to say? Oh, we suck right now. We're not going to be well this year. Just expect a six and six season. Even if they even if they see we're not that good, we have to say something good or the fans aren't going to show up. So I get it on that front. But at some point, you have to make those adjustments. And I mean, one of the adjustments is on your staff and it needs to be fixed or he needs to go. Uh, but hey, this is something we'll kind of jump into a little bit more as the season goes on. Uh, this this early signing period for what we have and of course, I don't really get into how good a player is. Give him two years, maybe three, because some guys are going to definitely need that development. They're going to be redshirted. And there's so many variables now because it used to be you either redshirt a guy or you don't. Now you have this redshirt rule where guys can play for four games. So you, you have a couple cupcakes on the schedule. You're blowing teams out. You're playing guys. Or at the end of a season like this. Do you and are you? But and that's the problem. You don't. You, Miami isn't blowing out enough teams early where they can get some of these young guys that experience. Still redshirt them after four games because I feel like that rule is is put in place for good teams. Go ahead, blow somebody out, thirty five nothing in the first half, and then put your backups in. Put these young freshmen in, or you're playing a Savannah State. You're playing an FIU when you put them on the schedule you're expected to beat them. You put a you have Duke on the schedule despite it being a division game. You know, you're supposed to blow these schools out. You're Miami. At the end of the day, it's still Miami and it, it has to get back to that. And if you can get back to that, take advantage of those rules and that's how you get kids to come. Hey, you'll get a chance to redshirt. You'll also get a chance to get significant playing time because of us just being such a juggernaut. If you can get to that point, that's when the the traction starts. But it has to start internally. You have to change the culture. And I think mainly uh, Manny Diaz might need a little help uh, being that head coach. I mean, he's never had any. This is his first year of true experience being the head man. And he doesn't have anyone that really can help steer him in the right direction. And that has a that says volumes about how everything is being run. Yeah, I mean, it does, but you have two guys in Todd Stroud and Danny Enos who have been head coaches before. Um, so, you know, yeah, you need to lean on them. But, you know, like I said, the only person who's called plays before is Danny Enos. There's no other, you know, really, you know, experienced coaches on the staff. And, yeah, he needs – Manny Diaz needs that help. I've said it before and I'm saying it again. When I was a first-year teacher, I had one way to teach. And if that didn't work, I didn't even have a bag of tricks to reach into to get a new trick to try something different. Mm -hmm. Manny Diaz is there. He does not have a trick to reach for or a bag to reach into to do something new and different. You can see that from the bye weeks because he said, I tried something different after the first loss after a bye week. I tried something different after the second loss after a bye week. And you lose to a worse team the second time in Georgia Tech. You lose to the worst team the third time. Uh, with FIU because you're just doing things like where is your experience of, I need to lean on this this is how I get this come together and play to the standard of excellence to which we aspire you don't have that experience yet and yeah it, it does need to get better but I think that there are some things on this staff that need to change but in terms of recruiting well and in terms of recruiting I think that some staff updates could help that also because you cannot 
have the precedent set that Nebraska is coming down here and eating your lunch in South Florida, in Dade County. Absolutely not. Because you already have Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, you know, coming and Florida State also because they have a foothold down here. Florida has a better coach now, so they're trying to get back in South Florida. You have all these teams coming down here. Michigan even comes down here every now and then and gets somebody. You cannot let the also-rans of the world like in Nebraska come down here and eat your lunch and recruiting in your backyard. Now, if Miami were going into Nebraska and getting their best players, that would be one thing. But the best players in Nebraska don't mean anything. So it just it the recruiting needs to get better. And if we're you know today's a recruiting episode, the recruiting needs to get better for me, and that comes with staff upgrades also. So on the field performance and recruiting and player development all is tied in with staff needs to get better. And hey, look, I I almost called names, but I'm not going to do that today. Look, these are there are some guys here who are coaches who you and I know of and enjoy being with hurricane with the hurricanes. And we might have to wish them well in their future endeavors elsewhere because it's not good enough. Definitely. If it's not good enough, you got to go. And it's it's strictly business. I've always said when it comes to this game, it's strictly business, whether it's recruiting, especially when it's recruiting, it's strictly business. And it doesn't matter who, who you like, who you're friends with. I've seen, you know, good coaches who are friends, friends, friends. Hey, man, you got to go. If you can't handle the job, you got to go. And but we haven't had anybody cutthroat, not even cutthroat like that, not even to call it cutthroat, but who's about the business enough to fire the guys who are not doing the job. Look at, I mean, look at all of these staffs that have been here. Look back to Randy Shannon. Look to, I mean, Al Golding got fired because he wouldn't fire D'Onofrio. Mark Rick retired because he wouldn't fire his son. You know what I mean? Like, we don't have, we have not had anybody who's about the business of sports, who's about the business of being great. To the point where we are friends and I'm still going to holler at you. If I see you at the coaching convention, I'm going to dap you up and ask you how your kids and your family are doing. But for right now, the job isn't getting done good enough and you got to go. And this is really crazy for me to spin it backwards a little bit that Manny Diaz is a person who doesn't have this kind of nature because Manny Diaz got ran up out of Texas for stuff that wasn't even his fault. Cause, and Mac Brown said, look, regardless of if it's your fault or not, you got to go so I can save my job. So you were on the, on the cutting edge getting cut of that and you don't understand and see that here now that you're in the big seat? How'd that work? Because part of that is coaching is the buddy system. Hence, regardless of the level, guy, they rinse and repeat the same guys and I think that's part of it. Everyone's afraid of hurting someone's feelings or, or stepping on someone else's toes. If Blake, I would love to hurt somebody's feelings if we were winning games. Oh, of course. Of course. I mean, and the other part of it that I think maybe, and I know that I'm talking a lot and I'm sorry about that. Do you think that this could be also a fact that since Manny Diaz has never been a head coach before, he doesn't have the the Rolodex of names to call if he were to fire somebody? Of course. Big time. Big time. Because think about it. And, and I know we're going to the apex of, of college football, but when Nick Saban says, look, Lane, Lane Train, sorry, dude, you got to go. For whatever reasons, and we know it's not football related, but he's going off on this dude on the sidelines. It's not personal. I mean, I've never seen Nick Saban go off on people, but 
when you it was a special love hate relationship. You haven't been watching because he does it all the time. Yeah, no, I'm saying I don't see him not like getting a guy like he got in Lane Kiffin's chest. Like they, he, you remembered Brian Dabble that one year? He yeah, was there? yeah, I do remember. And he looked like he was swing back, yeah. and he said, "No, I'm going to NFL. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Come yeah, on now." Because that was an inside job. That was a Belichick. Hey, I'm going. Do me a favor so he can get back to where he wants to be. He got to get up out of here so he can get right, home. But, yeah, yeah. but all I'm saying is you talk about Nick Saban ain't getting nobody chest like that. I remember distinctly in the playoffs yeah, yeah. when he went at Brian Dabble hella hard. And Brian Dabble sat there and he looked like he, he was took, about to say something. He, he, no, he took that L. He took that L. Now, actually, now that I think about it, Brian Kelly used to do that a lot. Notre Dame and everybody on that staff deserved everything they got because I hate everything about that team. So anything bad happening. And the other guy that I really – and I kind of admire him for it, but Will Muschamp, he – he, Will Muschamp, he had to calm it down just a little. But Will Muschamp said, I have no problems getting rid of people. And he even admitted. And I, the one thing I admire him for, uh, despite him, make, he made a lot of bad decisions being a Gator. I mean, why? Just why? But um, him saying, he admitted at one point, look, I am not an offensive guy. And there's two, and there's a difference between to know, to be a defensive coordinator, you must know offense. You have to know offense to know defense. But to be an offensive play caller, that is an art form. To be a defensive play caller yes. is even an even bigger art form because of all the rules you have to play under. So for him to admit, hey, I'm not an offensive guy, I'm going to get an offensive guy, and he can have the offense, it's almost like you're having two head coaches essentially, one for the offense and one for the defense. But he actually went publicly and said this, and I've I mean, at some point, maybe Manny Diaz has to do that as well. I mean, it just seems like Miami is kind of stuck in purgatory. And I don't, he may not even have the autonomy enough within the program to even do that. I mean, there's some coaches, they're handcuffed. Look, you're a first year head coach. We got you on the cheap. By the way, we can spin that you're a local guy and, you know, your dad was the mayor and that's great. But you don't have any, you have zero um, control here. That could be one of those situations, too, versus a Mark Rick, who you've been at Georgia. You have a history. You, you've had worked with some of the best of the best. You've produced some of the best of the best. And even at Georgia, you went and came into Florida and said, hey, we're gonna. Get, I want you, you, and you. And even if I have no national championships, I got, enough, I got enough clout to say, look, I'm Mark Rick, and I'm that guy, and you're coming to Georgia. So, hence, hence, Aaron, hint, hint, Aaron Murray. But, um you know, those are some of the things that that's the difference between a guy like a and I feel like maybe maybe if Mark Rick could have been this is one of those one ifs I've always said uh, I, I like to play the what if game sometime. But maybe if Mark Rick had played, had stayed around, put his pride to the side, fired his son, changed the offense. Maybe you could have had one of those Manny Diaz as head coach and waiting and kind of like Jimbo did with, with Bobby Bowden. You're really the head coach, but but the head coach is like the CEO. He lets you do everything. He's just there as a face, and he, that's how you get your experience. I've always said that's the best way when you have a younger a younger guy that you have faith in that can take the program reins, but you have an older guy who's the who could be the face of the program, even if it's for a short period like a Mac Brown for whoever's the next guy, this is how you pass the program around. I mean, from Miami guy I, I to guess. almost Miami. I want to say Miami. He's he's kind of a pseudo-Miami guy in Manny Diaz. I mean, he's a Miami – city of Miami guy. Yeah, city you of know, Miami. He's from here. Yeah, that's why I say pseudo-Miami guy. He's not, but he is. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, he, he is enough. His dad, obviously, you know, two-time mayor of Miami-Dade County. Yeah, he did what a lot of people do. Didn't necessarily have the grades to get into Miami. You go to Florida State. Look, I have friends who did it. I understand it. I was a nerd. I went to private school. I had good grades, high SAT score. I got it. Like, you know, whatever. I get it. But I get that if you're from here and you want to go there, you know, he and Manny Diaz has talked about the fact that he went to all these games at the Orange Bowl when he was growing up and things like that and, you know, was a Hurricanes fan. But you got to do what's best for you. Boom. He went up there, did the thing, whatever, went to ESPN, and then he got back into coaching. All right, cool. But it's less about where you went than what you know. Because I don't care if you went to East Timbuktu State University. If you know your stuff, then you know your stuff. And this is and and I get trying to get in at the, the open or the ground floor of Amazon, as it were, you know. So you bring in Manny Diaz and say, Okay, this is his first turn as a head coach. This is gonna be the beginning of a Hall of Fame career, he's gonna win multiple national championships, he's gonna do all this kind of stuff. And we're going to be here at ground zero all the way up and we're going to, you know, help there, you know, whatever. But there's so many startups that don't turn into Amazon that it is, it's a tenuous situation. It's an unsure circumstance because you can try it. That can be the goal and dream. But if it doesn't work like so many other things, then you're going to be back, you know, in your mom's basement trying to figure out the next thing. And it looks, I mean... Unless things change, Mike could quickly be headed there. And I hope that they're not. And I hope that Manny Diaz figures it out. But there is no history of demonstrated success with him as a head coach to believe that that's going to happen. So I don't know, again, where he's going to get this professional development. But I hope that it happens. It does need to happen. And the one thing that does need to happen as well as I think is uh, maybe getting back on the field is, is right now is going to help uh, more reps. And I, I th- as far as players, players get better with reps and development. Maybe reps and development is something he may need as well. And we'll kind of see a little bit of that going into next week as we have game week, uh, bowl game week. Uh, and quite honestly, I've, I've kind of been – I've kind of grown – I don't want to say I've grown tired of the what if and the the filler banter, I guess. But – it's something about a game week that it just gets me really, really just I get jacked up for it. And I know it's 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 Louisiana Tech and it's a it's a bowl game and it's a meaningless bowl game, but I wanna see this team I wanna have a lasting memory of this team going out on top and hopefully maybe you've had enough of a of, of time off. You've gotten some, some guys healthy. Maybe you can uh, put some of those new practices that we're talking about into motion because if Miami goes in and loses to a Louisiana Tech, that would have put us at what zero and two against a, a Group of Five school. Ugh, that would not be good. Six and seven. Six and seven. Actually, it, would, it would be one and two because we did beat Central Michigan. This is true. One and two. One and two against. So you you have a below five hundred record. Uh, before uh, against a, power, a group of five school. Not only that, but just Miami should blow the doors off this team, realistically, knowing the talent that they have. But we know if this is the Miami that we know, that we've seen this season, the consistently inconsistent group we've seen, ooh. Mm-hmm. I'm, but, I'm, but I'm excited hey, to see what's we've on the seen field. It, we've seen it and said it all year long. If it's Central Michigan, if it's Georgia Tech, if it's all these rebuilding teams. And I said before the year, Miami had five teams with a full-scale rebuild 
on the run, on the schedule. Mm-hmm. That means you got to win them and pull them out. North Carolina, Georgia Tech, Central Michigan, Louisville, and the fifth one was Florida State. Florida State, yeah. So you had five teams with a full-scale rebuild this year, right now. You go two and three against those guys. Not good. Not even taking out what's coming into the bowl game, where you could go six and seven this year again. And Manny Diaz said last year, he said it. I said it. He said it. He said that kind of a record is a fireable offense. It is not good enough at the Ooh. University of Miami, and that's why all the offensive coaches got to go. You come out here this year and go 6-6, six and six, and I'm supposed to feel good about it? You can potentially lose this bowl game. And look, hey, I know that we're talking, and people listen like, yo, all y'all are talking about is them losing this ball game. Why, what is? What have you what seen, have you seen that says otherwise? Thank Exactly. I mean, now, Miami, we're not going to sugarcoat it here. We're definitely no, not. And sugarcoat. people are going to go, they're going to say the same thing that we've been saying all year. But Miami is more talented. They're bigger, stronger, faster. They got da, 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 da. They had that teams this year and still figured a way to lose those games. So, look, pretend I'm from Missouri. You got to show me that you're going to mm-hmm. be better and different. And we'll, but yeah. if, you, if you're not, if you're not, then why should you or the offensive staff continue to have their job when you overtly stated, Manny Diaz, that this is not good enough and reason for you to be fired? And I don't want to give too much away because we have a couple. We have a couple days to break this whole thing down uh, next week, uh, and obviously we have. We'll, we'll break it all down on Monday. Uh, we'll break it. We'll talk uh, and, and the aftermath of it after Christmas. Uh, we'll kind of talk about it. We'll have some some things that we're maybe thankful for, and we may have some things we might be wishing for. A Christmas list. We did the things we were thankful for already, man. You trying to go back in time to Thanksgiving? Yeah, you th- thankful for for Christmas. You got to be thankful for Christmas too, you know. Nah, you're right. You're right. You know, and maybe, maybe I mean, some people. I have a wish list of things that Santa could give me for Christmas, so we might have for those Miami Hurricanes. Uh, um, one Justin Flo, maybe somehow, some way, somebody has to transfer. Whatever. That's not going to happen. But. Would Would somebody at Fred? At Fred Purdue CFB, please, and tell him to give it up on, on these guys already. Dustin Flo signed. He's going to Oregon. Hey, give it up, hey I can hope on a transfer portal. Please? Please? No, I'm no. What, even Even if you got a transfer portal, that means he wouldn't be able to play until 2020 or 2021. Yeah, that doesn't so what help are they going to do right all. now? It doesn't really help I'm us saying. at all. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we'll be talking about some of those things, some of the things we wish for, some game, some game breakdowns in the aftermath of the bowl game on next week. Uh, be- be- so before we get out of here, make sure you go follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Canes. Go follow Cam on Twitter at Underwood Sports. You can follow myself on Twitter at Fred Purdue CFB. And of course, go follow Andrew Ivins. Uh, Cam, what was his Twitter again? So I will. So we have it. <laughs> this is code for I forgot it. Uh, it is hey. Andrew underscore Ivins. I V I N S is his last name. Also, while you're doing that, be sure you like and subscribe to the show. Any podcast, Podomatic, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, um, iTunes, Music, Spotify, whatever, uh, wherever it is. Like, subscribe, give us five stars. We appreciate it. For Cam, I am Fred. This is the Locked On Canes podcast. We are out and enjoy you guys this weekend. We will talk to you next week. Go Canes.